0: Final reading from the book of James is from chapter 5, 7 to 20. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged the judges standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith, will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three years Sorry, three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins.
1: Thank you very much indeed, member for reading God's Word And uh, we do need to hear God's word, don't we? I don't know if you saw the Duke of Edinburgh's funeral yesterday. It was amazing, wasn't it? None of the clerics preached the word of God. But uh, Hugh Edwards, I think, reflected on the Bible, Christian man. And then one of the headlines, so I'm told in the Sun newspaper today, is what is Psalm 104 about? That's great, isn't it? A whole nation is wanting to know about the scriptures. We need God's word. And we're going to pray that we understand God's word as we begin. Let's pray then father god we know that it is such a privilege to be able to carry everything to you in prayer whether we're in trouble this afternoon or whether we're feeling happy whatever we're experiencing it is such a privilege to bring everything to you thank you father god that you are absolutely full of compassion and mercy and I pray, Father, that each one of us here this afternoon would hear your compassionate and merciful voice speaking to them. Please help us, Father, to be not just hearers of the word, but doers as well. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know if you've ever been um, driving on the motorway and uh, you've just noticed the car in front of you just wander slightly out of the lane and and then sort of come come back a little bit it doesn't seem very obvious at first it just sort of drifts over to one side and then they sort of correct it and uh the next time they might go a bit further sort of wander out of the lane a little bit more and then they hit the rumble strip you know that's the bumpy bit down the side of the motorway and that seems to sort of wait them off a bit. And then they come back into, in, into the lane again. Someone who's doing that down the motorway at 70 miles an hour is in danger. They're in danger. How do you save someone who's in danger like that? I don't know. You might hit the horn. You might flash your lights. You might get up next to them and wave. But it's not, isn't it? The point of the book of James is that... Um, if we're Christians, it is really easy to wander, really just to swerve away from our single-minded faith, that sort of faith that's consistent, that involves all of us. Just with a bit of double-mindedness, a little bit of sort of flirting with the world, that's the picture in chapter 4, isn't it? Um, and um, James has spent five chapters, he's spent the whole of the book telling us how dangerous that is, and, and that's what he wants to leave in our mind as he finishes the book, as we finish the book this afternoon. And the reason I say that is because of the closing words of the book of James. If you've, got, if you've got that open in front of you on the service sheet maybe, or you've got it on your phone, have a look down to chapter five, verse 19. These are like the closing words of James's book. This is what he wants to leave in our minds, okay? Verse 19. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. How to save a life. You see, the the danger is we start wandering away from the truth. What's the need? So the need is for that person to be brought back. Who does it? Someone, anyone, it could be you, okay? You can save a life. And what's the result? They're brought back to the faith that saves. It's a faith that, there is a kind of faith that saves you, okay? That's what James has been telling us all the way through. And there's a kind of faith that doesn't save you, a so-called faith. So, Remember back in chapter 2, verse 14, this is what he writes. If someone, if some claim to have faith, but no deeds, can such a faith save them? No, it can't, okay? It can't save them. This is dangerous driving, spiritually speaking, okay? So what kind of faith does save you? He's already said that back in chapter 1. This is what he said right at the beginning. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. That's the word for like planting, like I, I planted some geraniums yesterday, apparently I so i terrible god. Now it's time for you to do that. Okay, but the word has been planted in us. What do we need to do? We need to humbly accept that word, which can save you. Chapter one. So put all that together, you see, and and what you get is something like the local church, you know, guys like us at Trinity Church Islington, or uh, Christ Church Crouch End, for those who are listening in from there. You, You get a local church which is full of ordinary people. Believe me, I'm looking at you now, okay, and you're looking at me. We're ordinary people. But we're concerned for each other's spiritual safety. We're concerned for each other's spiritual safety. Do you agree with that? Is that a good definition of the church? You concern for my soul, me concerned for your soul. A group of people gently showing each other how to accept the word day by day. Because faith like that saves. In other words, a church is, as someone once said, a soul salvation society. Okay, that's what we are, a soul- salvation society. And that's where James is heading, right at the end of his book. We're not quite there yet. Perhaps you remember that last week he warned us about um, sort of proud planning. Do you remember that? And about hoarding, about sort of keeping keeping all of our wealth. This time he's going to tell us two things to replace that with. Okay, just two things I want you to remember: patience and prayer. Okay, if you remember nothing else from this afternoon, remember those two things: patience and prayer. Let's have a look at the first part of that section then from chapter 5 verses 7 to 12. And we could call it something like this Be patient like a farmer. Okay, that's, that's the first point. Be patient like a farmer. Uh, I, I don't know, what, what were the messages that were given, given to you uh, as you were growing up in your family? What was the thing that you were constantly told? uh hurry up that's a quite that's a quite common thing isn't it or go to bed or do your work but in some families it's be patient there there are so many um there are so many uh, sort of mottos phrases that remind you to do that patience is a virtue good things come to those who wait rome wasn't built in a day count to ten and 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 so it goes on maybe those are the constant messages you are being played in your family and maybe as you're growing up you thought to yourself is that really true? Really? I mean, is it really important to have your evening meal at six o'clock? I mean, if you had it at four thirty, what's going to happen? You know. But James isn't talking about that sort of slightly pointless kind of waiting, but a meaningful, active sort of waiting. Meaningful, active sort of waiting. It's not like, for instance, if you had a friend who was coming to stay in a local hotel and you'd and you'd, uh, you'd agreed to meet them, they're just going to turn up one day and you'll go and see them. Not a lot of sort of planning involved in that. But if you want to put up that friend at your house, that's different, isn't it? You want to constantly make sure that the bed's made and the floor's been Hoovered and you've got a bit of food in your fridge. This is the kind of waiting that you you have to rearrange your life around. And so James has already talked about some ways that we might want to change our lives. We've seen them week after week, you know, things we might want to avoid, like saying exactly what we're thinking, criticizing people, planning on making it big, walking past the person in need. And we think it'd be quite, it'd be quite useful to do those things from time to time, wouldn't it? Or it'd feel quite good, it sounds quite attractive. Can't I just do those things now? And James says, no, be patient like the farmer. Be patient like the farmer. Anyone here from a farming family? Yes, I? and me, okay, the two of us. Uh, I've, I've, I've got a book here, it's quite precious to me, at see. Um, this is a book that my granddad, who was a farmer all of his life, wrote for his grandchildren. And you can see in the front, Jeremy, with my love, Grandpa. Um, and it's dedicated to my grandchildren, Timothy, this my brother, Jeremy, Laura, Matthew, Benjamin. And it's about, say, so the reason he wrote it was because he wanted to record what it was like being a farmer before the war. So he was a farmer in the 20th century, and it's called the knell of parting days because he felt that all, all those old farming practices were being mechanized and everything was changing, and he wanted to record what it was like being a farmer at the start of the 20th century. But when he talks about life as, and on, on the farm, there is no doubt what is the high point of the year for him, and that's the harvest. Okay, that's all hands on deck. Massive celebration. You're bringing in the crops that you've been looking after for so long. And James knows that. Can you see that, verse 7? Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until, that's the key word, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. And that's why the Christian rearranges their life around the day that someone will appear who they've never seen face to face. Because the Lord's coming, Jesus is coming, will make it worthwhile. The harvest, that's the reward. It's a great day. James has already told us about that in chapter one. Do you remember what he said will happen on that day? He said, Blessed is the one who perseveres. It's a key idea in, in James. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life the Lord has promised to those who love him. You know, so many of us live in the uncertain business of getting something over our heads. You know, that, um, I don't know what it is, a thatched roof of, uh, of that nice house in the country, a voice wanted or uh, the roof of that ferrari or uh, the sun hat that you're going to wear as you relax on the beach in the bahamas i don't know what it is but the christian who waits who 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 perseveres through the, all the difficulties of living single mindedly and and it's not easy the christian who perseveres who speaks the truth in the face of suffering like the prophets did can you see them down in in verse 10 they didn't have an easy time did they my name's Saint Jeremiah, I wouldn't have liked to have been But People who persevere in the face of bitterness like Job did, you see me in verse 11, the person who keeps going like that will wear the crown of life and that's a promise. You know, we, we, we struggle to earn our reward here on earth. We're trying to that sort of I don't know, the day-to-day toil of trying to earn something is so precarious and uncertain but for God to place a crown of life on our heads for God to say you've got you have a place here you you're, you're something in my new world there's a position which is yours there's a status which will always belong to you think how much more solid and certain that will be Now, of course, at the moment it might look <coughs> to your friends like you're one of life's failures. You know, giving so much to Christianity seems like a bit of a mug's game, doesn't it? Does that ever occur to you? It occurs to me sometimes when I meet my non-Christian friends. But in the end, when the Lord comes, we will know that it has all been worthwhile. We will. And what are the signs that we're actively waiting? <laughs> You know, there were being a farmer Jeremy or a farmer Joe or a farmer Anna. You know, what What are the signs? Well, we won't grumble in verse 9. We won't say, oh, this barley is just rubbish. It's only two inches high. You know, here us over the spring. We know the harvest is on the way. We won't grumble and we'll patiently see through our commitments as we're waiting. That's verse 10. She so, yeah, don't grumble, verse 9. And then verse 12, I mean, we'll patiently see through our commitments as we wait. We'll just get on with the farm work. Okay, we'll let our yes be our yes, and we'll let our no be our no. And we don't have to overcommit. You know, we the reason we overcommit is because we want to impress somebody normally, or because we're a little bit embarrassed. We want the reward of someone's approval on what we're doing. But if we know that we're going to get a crown of life, then we don't need to ever commit, you see. You know, sometimes we say we'd love to meet up with an old friend and we're going to, when we know that we just don't have the time to do it. Yeah? Uh, we say yes to helping out a family each week and then when it comes to it, we realise it was a much bigger commitment than we thought and we just have to pull out of it. Sort of make excuses. Or um, we'll say we'll be at a meeting and then we cancel right at the last minute. We tell our spouse we'll get some shopping on the way home and we rush home late empty-handed. And yeah, we telling our yes, be our yes, and our no, be our no as we wait. I mean, praise God that he's a God of compassion and and mercy, I need that. And I imagine that UDT, he's a God of compassion and mercy, verse
0: 11.
1: He gives us more grace as we learn to be patient in him. That's James's first point, be patient like a farmer. It's all about patience and prayer. Yeah, two things from it: patience and prayer. Let's come on to the second of those. Be prayerful like a prophet. Okay, that's the second thing. I'll be patient like a Palmer, then be prayerful like a prophet. What do I mean? Well, have a look on to verse 13. Verse 13 Is anyone in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Prayer is that rare thing that just fits every situation. Okay? Every situation. Is any one among you in trouble i do hope that you come to church when you're in trouble i I really do it's so easy isn't it to to feel that that is the right time to stay away but james assumes that troubled people will be in church if you're struggling i hope that your instinct is to come along on a sunday afternoon to be with your brothers and sisters you don't have to say anything but it's the right place to be, isn't it? Is anyone in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. The thing about Christianity is that is, is that life as a Christian isn't without its um, deep problems and its incredible joys. You know, whatever's going on in our lives we bring it to God in prayer we always bring our lives before him whether it's an up time or a, a downtime. we both have both of those. There are other cases for you this afternoon are you a single person married or a teenager? You in trouble? You happy? Christmas people who turn bad feelings into prayers and good feelings into praise It's never the wrong time to pray, is it, is it? Prayer fits every situation. And more than that, prayer can radically change a situation. Uh, Let's come to the prophet. You know, we we don't share every characteristic with Elijah. It's, uh, It's worth saying that he wore camel hair and he ate locusts. So I'm personally extremely pleased that that's the case. But what we do have in common, verse 17, have a look down at that, is our humanity. He was a prophet, but he wasn't superhuman. The thing was that, that when he prayed, as a mere human being, radical things happened. No rain for three and a half years. That's between now and what, October 2024. Prayer can radically change a situation. And James has already warned us, hasn't he, that we don't have because we don't ask. That's one of his warnings. We're so reticent to come to God in prayer. He's so keen to give us what we, what we need. Sometimes the God of our prayer life is a very small God, isn't it? A sort of Godlet, a sort of plastic God. And so we pray small prayers. When we know how big God is, then we pray big prayers. Yeah? And the thing is that we might never be a big evangelist like uh, Billy Graham We might never be an amazing theologian like um, Don Carson or an amazing preacher like Tim Keller, if you've ever heard of these people. But we can all be great prayers. Can, what's stopping us? Perhaps you've never come before, but um, we've got a prayer meeting on Tuesday night. I'd love you to come along to that. Uh, Your only qualification, according to James 5, is you need to be a human being. I'm afraid if you're not a human being, uh, we might not be able to admit you. Um, who knows what radical things might happen as a result of Tuesday night's prayer meeting let's pray big prayers pray like a prophet pray in every situation pray with big prayers and then pray for the sick that's in verses 14 to 16 pray for those who are ill let me just say these are very um, difficult verses and lots of Christians disagree about how to interpret them they raise all kinds of questions uh, verses fourteen to sixteen. Uh, when am I sick enough to call the elders? For instance, uh, what if the elders are too busy to come? What do you do then? What's this with the oil? You know, it's like you know, is that a necessary part of it? And and why in verse fifteen is there this promise, apparent promise, that the prayer offered in faith will make the ill person well? Does that mean that if um, if someone dies? They haven't had enough faith. Does that sound right? So, does sound what the rest of the sound like what the rest of the Bible is saying. What do we say? Well, if we're to be prayerful like the prophets, let's see how the prophets prayed. Let's think about Elijah for a moment, because James seems to think that Elijah is a very suitable sort of role model for our prayers. Okay, maybe later on, if you want to. Crack open one king's uh, when you're sitting in the bath, whatever. Um, you'll find it quite an interesting story. It's that famous story where he um, he puts a. Do you remember this? Him versus the prophets of Baal, and there's a sort of contest. But but the prayers come into it too. Let me tell you about that. So it's one king, seventeen, eighteen. Elijah confronts the prophets of Baal. This is how it works. First of all, he says there isn't going to be any rain. Okay. And then he says some very important words to the people. Can you see them up there? How long will you waver between two opinions? Does that sound a little bit familiar to you? And then he prays, answer me, O Lord, so that these people will know that you are turning their hearts back again. That sounds very familiar, doesn't it? It's like the last two verses of James. And then the rain comes back. In other words, Elijah's prayer, if I could put it like this, is that their physical situation, that grass has gone brown, they haven't got any water, hose hosepipe pan, will teach them something spiritually and cause them to come back to God. Yeah. And, and in the same way, I, and I think it's what James is saying, illness can teach us to return to single-minded faith. In fact, I wonder whether in the book of James, there's quite a specific situation, and uh, that specific situation is this, that we know from the Bible, on occasions, from time to time, the Lord allows people to come ill in order to, to bring them back to him. We know that God can do that, and that's completely out of his mercy and his love for people. Similar thing happens in 1 Corinthians, you might know. And so as people are restored to single-mindedness, so the, the illness will go away, we assume. Whatever verses 14 and 15 are saying, then people's physical state and their spiritual state seem to be sort of oh, all mixed up with each other, if I can put it like that. And, and the language seems to sort of cover both bases at the same time. So um, it's very hard to bring out in the, in, in, if you just have one English translation. But so verse 14 says something like this. Is anyone among you ill? Or the word can also mean without strength, without sort of spiritual strength. Let them call the elders of the church. That's the sort of spiritual leaders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil. That's a, a spiritual thing, setting someone apart um, for God's special attention. And the prayer offered in faith will make the ill, or that's, it's a different word, which can mean weary, person well, or literally save them. Can you see all this going on at the same time? The Lord will raise them up. That's a word which is used for raising people from a bed and raising people from the grave. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Of course they will. So great is God's mercy. God gives more grace. You know, our hearts and our bodies are so closely linked, aren't they? And it seems that in this situation, a return to single-mindedness will restore their bodies too. But if not now, then in the world's come. Not that it's only for elders. You know, in verse 16. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. It's a mutual thing, isn't it? As God's people, you concerned for my soul and my body, me concerned for your soul and your body. Praying for each other when we're ill, but particularly praying for single-minded faith. Because that will be what saves you. That is the kind of faith that saves people, that brings back the wanderer, that will put us in a place of safety. So that crown of life, will be put on their heads so that so that we, we at Trinity can be a soul salvation society and that's what we most want to know. Well, we're going to have a uh, question time in a minute and um, you might notice that the mobile number has been up at the bottom of the screen. Do please text in any questions you've got, I know we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, and not just on today's passage maybe you had a question from earlier on in James he's been quite uh, specific about a number of issues you might want to have some more questions in the meantime though as we humbly accept God's word planted in us we're going to pray so let's pray as we finish But God gives us more grace. Father God, I pray that you give us the grace of patience. I pray, Father, that we be content to wait until the Lord returns. Thank you that his coming is near. Pray that we'd be so content as we wait, we wouldn't resort to grumbling. And we wouldn't resort to exaggeration or overcommitment. That we simply be prepared to wait with integrity until the day that jesus christ returns i pray Father, we'd have the grace of of prayer i pray that we'd pray big prayers just like Elijah did and i pray that we'd know the excitement of seeing you answer our prayers and i pray most of all father we'd have the grace of saving souls Please, can we be that kind of church, Father, of Soul Salvation Society? So that when someone, maybe me, maybe someone else, wanders from the truth, that there be others, someone, who will bring that person back.
0: We pray these things in your name. Amen.